Every podcast has an opening song. This is ours. It's not very long. Chase, I think our opening song needs to be a little bit longer. I'm singing more of our opening song to intro our show called Behind Two Blondes. Hi everyone, my name's Chase O'Donnell. And I'm Savannah Brown. Together, we started a comedy duo called Two Blondes. Every week, Savannah and I will interview a successful 20-something who is pursuing their passion in an attempt to pick up some pointers of our own and hopefully inspire you to get out there and do the same. Today, we are interviewing London Kay. She is a 20-something street artist who is killing it in the art world. The New York Times just ran a piece on her, and Condé Nast calls her the one to watch. This brilliant lady just so happens to be my sister. I used nepotism to get her on the show. We are so excited to have her, and what better way to chat with London than over brunch? So we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor right now. FLU Studios and the Behind Two Blondes podcast are sponsored by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash two blondes, spelled T-O-O, spelled exactly how it sounds. Hi, London. Hi, London. Hi. Cheers. Yes. Thanks Cheers. for brunching with us. Yes. Thanks for having me. What are we drinking? Mm. Champagne and orange juice called a mimosa. Mimosa. If you didn't know. Mimosa. Amazing. Do you have any uh, favorite brunch place in the city? Ooh, ooh, that's a question. Well, I do love myself a good avocado toast, mm. and uh, Seawolf in Bushwick has an excellent avocado toast. That's true. It We've is. We've been there. I love at it. At least six or seven times. Le, Le Pen Quotidien, however you're supposed to say that. I think, I think they I think have an French. avocado toast, too. They have too. a nice avocado oh, toast. Oh, they have a great a one. Salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I'm getting a phone call already. We just started. <laughs> um, anyway, London. De- decline that. Decline? Well, I, I feel so rude declining a call. I always Well, just you're kind of silent. in the middle of something, okay. so. <laughs> Should I put it on Don't Disturb? Probably. This is our first podcast, so we're not used to this. Okay. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Savannah and I know you pretty well, but for our listeners... I would love you to explain what it is that you do. Explain what yarn bombing is um, and crocheting. Sure. I mean, that's always a tough question because what I do is really random. Um, But I love crocheting and I take pieces of crochet and put them outside and leave them there for people to enjoy. I started out by wrapping trees and fire hydrants and all sorts of things. But over the course of the last couple years, I've gotten down my own style I crochet mermaids, whales, crazy things on chain link fences, and it started to take off, and now I work for big companies and brands all around the world crocheting and doing what I love. Now, wow. what, what age did you start crocheting? I started crocheting when I was 13, wow. making scarves for the girls at my dance studio. I grew up like dancing super hardcore, and um, <laughs> every Nutcracker season, I would make scarves and sell them at the Nutcracker Tea. They were so popular. They were, was, oh my gosh, so trendy. You, everyone wanted a London K scarf. Yeah, and that, <laughs> it was like my first business, and I sold so many scarves. I bought my car when I was 16 just from selling scarves, and uh, Incredible. It, it was, uh, yeah, definitely a good good way to get my toes wet in the making money and crochet world. Wow. And Thank you me. started crocheting because you broke your back, right? Yep. You this skipped is, that part. It's not something I like to bring up. <laughs> I don't know why you never like to share that. 
Well, it's like, okay, so I, I was dancing, and when I was in ninth grade, I broke my back in two places and had to stop for like a whole year. And I was really little at the time, and I had to wear like a back brace to school with baggy clothes, so no one could tell. But it was just like a very tough time to like go through in <laughs> high school. And um, what instead of being able to go to dance after school, I would go home and crochet. So... I it was kind of like the one thing that made me happy that I could sit and be with myself and feel like I'm doing something rewarding and crocheting was always that thing for me so it definitely holds a special place in my heart for lots of reasons and that is one of them I think that's inspiring that you chose to do something instead of just sit there wishing you could dance yes Yes. but while you were crocheting did you ever imagine that that would be your career No, I always knew that crocheting was something I loved to do. And it was always, I'm very into like figuring out the true purpose of your life and what you want to do in this world. And crocheting was always like one of those things that I could sit and do forever. And I really, truly love to do. But I only thought that you could make hats and scarves and beanies. And that was it. I, it wasn't until I was like, almost just one day, it was like an aha moment where I was like, I could do more than just make hats and scarves out of yarn, and it just took off. And now, when you say took off, what was the biggest game changer in your career this this far? Was there a specific moment or a brand opportunity or something that... Um... Yeah, well, there's like two different ones. So after I graduated college, I was a dance major at NYU. I got a job working for Apple, and I worked there for about three years, and at that time, I was just like did not like working for the man. So one (laughs) night, like really late, this artist came in with a crazy crocheted bag and I sold her a computer. And then after she left, I immediately hopped on the computer and Googled her. And it was this artist named Olek who is really, really inspiring. And um, it just made me like Google the heck out of of crocheting and yarn in unconditional ways. So, or un, unconventional ways is the word. Unconventional. Unconventional I'm ways. I'm going to steal that for too long, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> unconventional ways. And I've discovered yarn bombing, like where you take a piece of, of crochet and wrap it around something. So that next day I went home and wrapped a tree outside of my house in bed with a piece of crochet, and I just like lit up. So that was the first like just wow moment. And you... I'm sorry to like be answering your questions no, for you. Please. I just know you so well. <laughs> you um, every day for 30 days had a challenge, yes. right? That you had to every day go out there and put a yarn bomb out. Yeah, I told myself, and I was working full time at the Apple store, so 40 hours a week, but on all my lunch breaks and before and after work, I gave myself a challenge for 30 days in a row, I'd yarn bomb something, no matter what it is, and leave it there for people to enjoy. And I didn't do it for 30 days. I did it for 50 days. Jeez. Like, And I just knew I had something there. And I started an Instagram account right from the start of when I began this whole challenge. And um, it's just crazy being able to track back all the way and look at that time and how different things were then compared to now. But it really was just a way for me to know that this is what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And good things already started happening within those first 30 days. So it was off to a good start. When when did you uh, realize that you could make it your career and you didn't need to have a, a job at Apple? Well, it, it took a while. Um, I was really lucky to have Apple because I was able to like wean off of it. So having the full-time job and being able to pursue a passion when I wasn't making money was a really nice balance 
um, because I could do that on the side and not worry. Um, but I went from full-time to part-time. And once I went part-time, that was almost harder than quitting all the way because I real it was like a moment where I was like, I could make more crocheting than working for a month at Apple. And crocheting, I could make that money in a few days. Wow. So as long as I was really like focused and driven in crochet, I knew I could make up what I was making at, at work. So... Um, I got a few jobs. I got a job working for Starbucks. I got a, at the beginning, got a job working for, uh, Isaac Mizrahi. Can I ask you yeah. how? It was all from just, uh, they just like social media door. pretty much. So in New York, there's so much foot traffic and so many people stop and look at your art on the street. And I would always leave a hashtag mm-hmm. that could tie back to me. And through my website, people just would start reaching out and, um, It was little things at first, and then it got bigger and bigger, and you never knew what was going to come through my inbox, but I said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Like, even today, I say yes to everything. Like, just recently, I did a bus for a Gap commercial, and they were like, oh, so have you crocheted a school bus before? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, no problem. (laughs) Like, yeah, right, have I crocheted a school bus. (laughs) So that was a week because they that, gave you yeah. they gave you a week to do it and yeah that was a week that was one breakdowns. of those times where it gets hard but <laughs> um yeah it was just like shifting from like okay I can make just as much crocheting but I have to put in the time and work in order to get those jobs and make them happen and leaving Apple was a way for me to do that kind of a different question but were you ever given a job like the school bus where you went how Am, how am I going to do this? Or maybe the school bus wasn't a good uh, uh, question or example. But no, I think that's a great question. I mean, every project comes with new um, learns. Yeah. And um, especially because nobody really does what I do. There's not, I can't like Google how to do what I'm doing. <laughs> and like people that maybe have done it before, it's a very, very small community of people. And it's just tough to, to find a mentor, I guess you could say, in this yeah. area. Um, but like some of the best advice I got when I do have things that I don't know how to tackle is to get help. So, um, ask for help from other crocheters or people that Mm -hmm. are crocheting and divvy up the work between a lot of different people sometimes is a good way to get things done on time constraints. And then also just like trial and error and like staying up really late and not, Mm -hmm. not going to bed until you figure something out and, um, not making everything perfect I'm okay with it not being perfect so mm-hmm. I think that's a blessing for me because some people would stop if it's not and I usually am able to like push through that people will be googling you one day yeah they'll be googling <laughs> you how to crochet a bus I hope were so were you scared taking that leap being like I'm not gonna work at Apple anymore and have a regular income but you knew if you did work there it would it would stop you from possibly becoming a huge successful crochet artist so what was that like were you really scared or were you more excited I was really scared like I kept giving myself excuses like I can't leave because of the health insurance I can't leave because of like the friends that I have there I can't leave for this that or the other and um I didn't leave until I had enough money saved up that I knew I'd be fine for a, a chunk of time and I think that's what ultimately allowed me to leave because I could have left earlier, but I did, you know, wait until it was a logical time for me to leave financially. And then also 
forget what your other part of the question was. Were you excited? Oh, was I excited? Yes. 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 Of course (laughs) I was excited. Because, like, working for someone else, especially in retail, like, it's not a really fun job. And now being able to be in charge of my own schedule and my own days and what I can do and where I can go, it's it's very exciting. But it also puts a lot of pressure on you. And um, every step of the way, like, I feel like now that I have left Apple, it's like there's no way I can give up on this crochet crazy dream. Like, there's been certain steps that I've taken, and it's like, okay, well, if I don't give up now, then I'm just going to keep going forward, and maybe some other people will drop out of the game, and, you know, I'll move forward, and then I'll go to the next step, and it's like, okay, now I've made it here. Mm-hmm. And it's just like each step makes it harder and harder to turn back on what you're trying to pursue. So at this point, I mean, there's no way I can stop crocheting. What am I going to do if I don't do this? Right. <laughs> well, go and get a job as a manager now at Apple? Like... No. But that was your initial that was. goal. You thought about that. Oh, yeah. that's what That was going to be your, like, plan. Yeah. Like, I really liked selling computers and, like, helping people figure out problems. And there were some positives to it. But once I discovered, you know, like, that this is actually an option, I was like, no, 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 no. no. But is it hard? I know for me, Savannah knows this. I have a very hard time. I, you know this, I know too. this, too. Okay, I, know, you know this I already too. know what the question is. Is it about scheduling? Yes. Okay. If you don't have a boss and no one holding you accountable to come into work every day and get the job done, what is it that's driving you every morning to get out of bed and, and do the work? Emails. <laughs> yes, but I love crocheting more than anything. Like, I, you guys saw me, I was crocheting before this interview. Like, I will crochet, <laughs> if I can crochet for 12 hours in a day and not do anything else, like, what an amazing day. Wow. Like, I, I just think it's about finding that thing that you can do no matter what. And I'm lucky enough that crocheting's that for me, but... Huh. I do have a challenge waking up in the morning. So you just love it so much. But yeah, the fact that, that I love crocheting so much, it, it see, makes it easy. I feel like I love comedy, but I have a really tough time waking up. So I need some some uh, scheduling pointers. And maybe it's not even just waking up. Just go longer into the night. Yeah, you're really good at that. It's just Savannah's texting me at like four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just sent out this email. Blah, blah, blah. Break legs tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're waking up in six hours. Uh, you guys are good true. though with your videos. Like now that you have a schedule with every week, like you guys put out your videos on a schedule, and yeah, that's, that's really impressive. Scheduling. In yeah. Speaking of scheduling, what's like a, what's a day in the life of London K look like? What is what is your routine and is it different every day or is there some structure? Um, there's some structure, I guess. Um, but every day is going to be different. Um, usually I wake up and <laughs> I can give like a fake answer. No, give a real one. Give, we're real yeah. on this channel. Whatever you say, I'm going to know I if know. it's real or not. <laughs> so, yeah, I usually wake up and get myself a nice cup of coffee. I do a little like journaling, if you will. Um what you call morning pages, like where you artist write out, way. yeah, you write out like three pages of Savannah's your thoughts. Savannah's done the artist I've way. done it. I don't do it anymore. Nice. She did it in I've college. I've done it. Yeah. Linton and I have done it four times. <laughs> I've done it. This is. Oh, this is your third. Second. This is my fourth. Fourth. Oh, okay. We've done this a lot. Okay. Um, but I try to write morning pages. Um, and then after that, usually there's about an hour or two of emails. Best, Ooh. best part of the day. Um, but... Emails usually, like for me, will consist of like drawing up proposals, 
going through, like, it's so fun. Like, I get to collage and, and send things over. The tough stuff's always the budgeting. That is always difficult. Um, but a couple hours of emails, then I like to go for a run in the middle of the day, clear my mind, and then come back and actually do, like, the crocheting work. And um, that's that's where the fun gets to begin. Mm-hmm. And lately I've been listening to podcasts while I crochet. Smart. And um, it's been good. I also just learned to rap. So oh. while I crochet, I try to... Let's hear some. Yeah, give us a nice little I've rap. been going on the roll. Oh, yeah, I've been hearing it every moment. Every moment <laughs> of every day. Bowl. We don't got no time to roll. I'm always out on the road. She, she don't got time for a whole little bit of time that she has. I could go on and on. She's, she's really good. But, yeah, really she's so good. I've been sitting at home learning this rap every <laughs> That's day. That's multitasking. I have an Alexa now, so I'm just like, I can learn a song yeah. while I sit here doing email. Exactly. We have OK Google. Yeah, OK Google will play podcasts for us. There so, you go. That's another great thing about crocheting, just if anybody's interested in picking up a hook, um, <laughs> is that it is a very social activity. Um, you can do it while you're you're hanging out with friends. You can do it on the subway. That's the Fun. podcast. You can do it while you're doing a podcast. <laughs> Fun fact, um, I want to work for London K, so I started crocheting on my road trip across the country. True fact. I have photos of it. She does, and she, <laughs> she sent me on my way with a little bit of a yarn and a crochet hook. Yeah. No, it's a great, great, great sport. And sports. <laughs> you know, sport. whatever you want to lots it. of calories. And another shout out for the just crocheting and knitting world is with the uh, women's March and these pussy hats that were made, it just truly shows how many people are out there, females that like craft with yarn and mm-hmm. make things from scratch. And it just made me so happy seeing so much support and the hat being at yeah. the center of all that was really a good shout really out for cool. yarn. You usually think of old ladies and grandmas right. uh, being the crocheters. <laughs> But it's so it's always surprising people mm-hmm. finding out that you crochet. Oh yeah, if I had a penny for every time, well <laughs> maybe not a penny, but if I had something, a dollar. a dollar for every time someone said I thought you'd be older, I'd have quite a few dollars. You have a trip to Hawaii. Yeah, and, and you're really young. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm 28. No, okay. I, I always think three years younger, but that's not right. Right. Four years younger. Right. So I've been doing I've been doing the street art like I've been full time crochet all day every day for like a year and three months okay. but I've been doing uh like started yarn bombing and the street art side of things about three and a half years ago so <clears throat> and um just to give some a couple things there. Yeah. you said that your your least favorite part of the day is budgeting <sighs> it's because it already made me cringe just yeah w- it. what is so hard about budgeting and like uh giving people proposals and uh how much you're gonna your project's gonna be well, I guess like I'm very, very creative. I'm really good at being creative in that sense. But I have my own LLC, like London K business. And it's not, you can't just be creative and have a business like and, and run a successful company. You also have to have that other side of your brain that does keep track of the finances and pay attention to doing taxes. And mm. uh, you have to manage employees. And it's just a lot. And submitting invoices and making sure people pay you on time it's just something that's very uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. and I'm getting better at it I try to ask clients I guess you'll call them for budgets up front usually they don't have them but in the back of the mind they do mm-hmm. so it's just like this game that I, I I'm not very good at yet I want to say but you're learning but I'm learning and I've been doing it all myself and I've been doing very well and I mean, I'm just going with it. I'm sure if someone was doing it for me, maybe it'd be going better. But 
at the same time, I think it's a valuable skill that I'm learning and, and I'm working on it, mm-hmm. but it is really challenging and, and you can't, like how I said, a 12 hour day of crocheting every day would be a dream. If you're really doing this as a business, as a company, I can't crochet for 12 hours. It just wouldn't be a successful. You need to be emailing and calls and meetings and right. you're managing my, I call them my minions, my crochet minions. Like there's <laughs> always things to do that aren't crocheting and uh, it's sad, but um, that's what's ultimately going to turn my my little hobby into an actual brand and mm-hmm. business. a lifetime business. Where do you see London K in 10 years? Well... London K in 10 years hopefully is an international brand that's recognizable and known and people like, I want to go more into, um, like I love designing bags and accessories and I have my own 3D printed crochet hooks that I've created and just being able to go more into fashion and stores and um, selling things on a a bigger scale um, along with doing the art as well. Mm -hmm. But up until now it's been very focused on art and street art and getting paid for murals. I want to hear more about the current work you've done because I don't think our listeners, if they don't know who you are, oh, can you sure. fill them in on like your billboard, Red Valentino. And the media right. attention it's been your getting. media attention. I've been super lucky because like I said, everything has just come, been very organic and come through my website simply from the yarn bombing. But like I mentioned, I worked for Starbucks. I've worked for Chex Mix. I've worked for Miller Lite, crocheting the largest billboard ever in mm. Times Square. It was 50 feet by 25 feet. Another one of those where I was like, of course, you have three weeks. And wow. so you, so, for the first time, had to hire crocheters around the city. We had 25 people. We I had 25 people working for me. Including and, me. Including Chase. We like <laughs> went to Ohio to assemble this billboard, just the two of us. At a billboard factory. At a billboard factory. They like, were very confused why London and I showed up. Yeah, they... Just two little girls like working on a billboard. yarn <laughs> to this billboard that was going to be up in Times Square <laughs> for over a month in the winter. And they were like, are you going to coat it with anything? And I was like, nah, just positive vibes. It worked. <laughs> like, the billboard was perfect. So that was, like, definitely my biggest – that was the project that allowed me to quit Apple, pretty okay. much. Like, Start full-time. Yeah. I took a leave of absence from work when I got that job. And then once that job was over, I quit. Um, and that was, like, something that definitely set me apart from just, like, this is just a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. Even though I had worked with a ton of brands before that, this was, like, the biggest one. Um, game I, changer. Yeah, game changer. I worked with Valentino, did my own fashion line with them last year, and a um, 14 different window displays around the world. Wow. All crocheted. Again, super quick turnaround. There were, like, three weeks to crochet 14 thingies. Like, it... It's crazy, these time frames. Um, And then right after Valentino last year, I got to go on The Amazing Race. So maybe some of you listeners are watching. Yay! Yes! Um, Keep watching. Keep watching. And um, so that was a really fun experience. Who else have I worked with? Gap. Gap, The bus Did the bus. That was a big one. I don't think you said that you um, not only went to the billboard, worked on the billboard with London, but you also work for her now. Yeah, I'm also... I'm also London's assistant. So that's why she also knows so much. We came up with a new title for Chase, though. A sister. Oh, no. I was going to say communication. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. people Head of communication. uh, A sister. (laughs) A sister. People were always asking me, like, oh, so you're working for your sister? I just, 
I'd just be like, yeah, I work for my sister. And they wanted more info. And then I'd be like, oh, uh, she's a crochet person. See, uh. it's hard. It's hard. It to was hard to explain. What, what so London decided I'm now head of communications for a startup. Yeah. It sounds oh God, very for, legit. For an art and fashion startup. For an startup. art and fashion startup. Right. I write her blog. You guys should check it out. She does way more than just write the blog. Yeah, but I was going to say. That's one way to, you know, start. This is just a quick reminder that FOU Studios and the Behind Two Blondes podcast are sponsored by Blue Apron, which we are so grateful for. So grateful. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash two blondes. That's spelled T-O-O. Exactly. I love that. What were we just talking about? All the different. Oh, all of your Aggressive insurance. You've gotten. I've gotten a lot. I've been really, really lucky. And I think it's luck and opportunity and preparedness and all that. I heard, combined. I I heard really something hard. great recently. Emma Stone said it at the Oscars. She said, um, "Opportunity meets preparation." I think something similar to that. And I was just like, "Wow, that that, that was exactly." I I heard a lot of something work. interesting from the starters of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that. Someone asked, well, did you get lucky? And they said, yes, I got lucky, but everyone gets lucky. Everyone has some luck in their life at some point or other, and it's just being ready to meet that luck with skill. And so I think that's what yours has been, and you also work so unbelievably hard 9 a.m. to midnight every day working nonstop. This is true. It's very This is true. (laughs) Now, Chase and I are your biggest fans, and I guess we could be um, the entrepreneurs that would like to have some advice from you. Yeah, like, like do, you do you have any advice for upcoming entrepreneurs, ourselves included? Um, a great little tidbit of advice I got is um, the project takes however long you have. So if you have a deadline, no yep. matter what the project is, it will get done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that to be very, very true. true. Yeah. If we have a show, the show will be written and completed right. by that date. And it gets done. And... I mean, you guys have each other, which is great. Because um, I was going to say, like, if you can't do it all yourself, get someone to help you. It's hard. You do it by yourself. Yeah. Like, if, if it seems too much for just you to take on, like, there's going to be somebody out there that can take something upon themselves to really help you out. And maybe it's something that brings them joy at the same time. So ask for help if you need it. And do you usually find yourself um, seeking people that you've been friends with since the very beginning instead of taking on new friends or new clients do you like staying within your little niche of people do you trust them most I find that it's definitely rotating the different people um that that I work with and the people that help me I have a few um crochet assistants that I've been working with since like some of my first projects that I've done um early on that were were of larger scale and just because they're like local and really fast Mm -hmm. and like we do get along great but the people I work with like higher up wise is always changing always different personalities and that's one of the things that Apple's so great with like I'm very good at being able to talk to people and handle myself in uncomfortable situations just because of that five years of experience I have you that's know so selling computers and and I have another question happy. since you're you're so out there on social media media I'm so out there you're so, so out, out there. there you have so many followers oh on Instagram <laughs> and when you are well known on the internet you're you're just like setting yourself up for mean uh, trolls 
And so for someone that's probably had to deal with that, like how do you get past the trolls on the internet and like staying positive and moving forward regardless what like uh, any mean comment says? I, I, there was like a phase of one of my pieces that had some backlash and the, the internet trolls, if you will, like came out for like two weeks and then all of a sudden flip of a dime, it all stopped. So at the time it was really like tough because I hadn't experienced that yet and it's hard to not like read all of it. Like I'm sure people would say like, just don't look at it, but it's kind of entertaining. (laughs) Um, So I guess like, just like knowing that it'll pass and and moving forward because like when you look into the people that say some of those things it's like I don't know they why yeah (laughs) there's no reason so so. just knowing that no matter what they say it's it's not going to change and it won't last forever and also like I'm very everything that I make everything that I crochet everything that I share it's like meant for everybody of all ages there's not like one person or one type of person that I'm trying to connect with like I'm crocheting things that'll make everybody happy, no matter your age, no matter who you are, where you live, or where you come from. So I'm really confident in the content I'm putting out there. So whatever people say, I know isn't valid if it's if it's really hurtful. And that kind of ties it all together why you're doing this. And it really is just you can always go back to that reason of I'm doing it to make people happy. Yeah. And no matter what, you always have that core belief definitely like I I've always been about like what makes you smile and this and that and like yeah it's a little cheesy but I do always try to come back to that and I was listening to Tony Robbins oh we love Tony you know love he's Tony. such an inspirational man and <laughs> he was saying like whenever you get in tough spots and you don't know what to do just always bring yourself back to why you're doing what you're doing and that should help shift your focus and um, I just heard him say that yesterday, so hopefully I'll start <laughs> well, remembering that. And that's a good piece of advice, too. It is a good piece to follow. He also says jump on a trampoline to get your endorphins going. So. And oh. London walked in <laughs> my room yesterday. I think we should buy a trampoline. Like a little mini one? A mini trampoline. Yeah. There's like a lot of trampoline fitness classes now. Yeah. My friend started one up. 12 minutes so every day. Chase said we could get it as long as it stays in my room. Yeah, Perfect. I, I don't want Perfect. that in the living room. Storage and then Chase can be <laughs> the one on it every morning. Right. Like, I'll crochet it. I'll crochet around the trampoline. You'll yarn bomb the trampoline. I'll yarn bomb the trampoline. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all the questions I think I have for you. Yeah. I that think, was wonderful. I, I think, have a question. Let's, oh, our producer has a question. question. This is up? Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Um, so what piece are you most proud of? Not like the biggest. I guess the biggest would be the billboard. But what are you most proud of making? I am most proud of making a crochet dragon on a chain link Ooh, fence. It was right. in Manhattan on 6th Avenue between 14th and 15th Street. And it was a dragon shooting fire out for like, how many feet 40 feet of fire and it stayed up for over two weeks and when somebody took it down the neighborhood came back and hung up these ribbons that said where's my dragon who took my dragon and it got on the news like it was the first time that the community like came out and really showed their support for like a piece of art that I put up in their neighborhood and it was just such like a beautiful thing to realize and and know that like I'm not just putting up something. I never was doing it just for me, but like when I put something up in a community, it really does affect the people and and the neighborhood. So that was uh, maybe two years ago. 
that I did that, and it'll always, you know, have a special place in my heart. Cool. We are just about done with our brunch with you. Uh, everybody, make sure to follow London at Made by London on Instagram, London K on Facebook, and check out her website, LondonK.com. Yep, and catch us next time on Behind Two Blondes. Cheers! Cheers. Thanks, Check that from <laughs> That's our show, and now we're saying so long. Tune in next time on Behind Two Blondes. The Behind Two Blondes podcast is brought to you by FOU Studios and recorded at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens. The show was created and written by Chase O'Donnell and Savannah Brown. This episode was produced and edited by Jeffrey Shimmer. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on this show, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. Boom! Boom.